Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Today, I'm going to talk about three separate and distinct facets of our Christian walk, because I think that by explicitly defining them in their scriptural context will better help us differentiate between their usage. They are faith, doubt, and unbelief. When it comes to doubt, someone said this, when in charge, ponder, when in trouble, delegate, when in doubt, mumble. Friend, we don't have to mumble because we have knowledge of God's word and a lack of it is the very cause of doubt itself. Now, starting with faith, we know that faith comes by hearing. We know it's a substance. Therefore, it can be measured. We know it works by love. We also know that the mystery of faith is a clean conscience, as I've discussed in a previous broadcast. We also know that we apply our faith by speaking it out loud to the obstacle in our path. Remember what Jesus said in Mark 11:23, "Have faith in God. Say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, etc." This is a representation of an obstacle or a hindrance in our life. Now, one thing I'd like to point out is this. You really don't need that much faith at all in order for it to work. In the case of a mustard seed, it was the smallest seed known to man at the time when Jesus walked the earth. But Jesus said you don't need much faith at all in order to practice it, in order to start using it. Use the little faith that you have and implement it by speaking to the hindrance in your life. Friend, did you know that God is actually limited by the power that works within us or the lack thereof. Check this out. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Depending on your knowledge of Christ, depending on whether you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost or not, you are manifesting the dunamis power of God. Depending on whether or not you're moving in faith and not doubting, all these can impact God's ability to move on your behalf. You're the conduit of God's power on this earth, and he is able to move in your life according to the power that works in you, as the scripture attests. Now, here's the tricky part. Did you know that you can have faith and doubt at the same time? Yes, it's true. Jesus actually inferred this in Matthew chapter 21, verses 21 through 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now, this passage describes the time when Jesus cursed the fig tree. Remember that? You could also read of the account in Mark chapter 11. Did you notice that if we have faith and doubt not, then and only then will our faith work fully? But if we have doubt and faith working in unison, the two can effectively cancel each other out. Let's clarify from the outset that there's a distinct difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt by definition is simply not knowing. But unbelief is knowing and choosing not to believe. I'll say that again if you want to write it down. Doubt is simply not knowing. But unbelief, however, is knowing and choosing not to believe. I love to look up definitions, as you know. So let's look at Merriam-Webster's definition of doubt. It says, to lack confidence, to be uncertain about a thing. The word actually stems from a fear in its root. 
The only way we as Christians can have doubt is because of a lack of knowledge concerning the promises of God. Thoughts of doubt may come, but with knowledge of God's word, we may speak the truth in return. If you're a believer and you know God's word and you know your covenant rights for healing and prosperity, then your issue is not doubt, friend, because you know the promises of God already. You just need to put them into action. Another way of describing doubt is uncertainty. You're just not sure if God will do it for you, as having no knowledge of his word will feed this doubt. You could say this is evidence of the double-minded man spoken of in the book of James. One minute he thinks God can, the next he doesn't. And what does the scripture say in James 1, 5 through 8? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Friend, the only way to curtail doubt in your life is to feed and feast on God's word and his promises, so you will be confident of what he will do. Doubt is actually simple to overcome. It's not easy necessarily because it takes effort to seek knowledge of God's word, but it's simple to offset. Doubt doesn't take away from the faith that you have, but it can oppose it, and the net result is your ability to believe can become ineffective. If you want to receive from God, you have to be convinced, and this is faith that has conquered doubt. Remember when Abraham gave glory to God and staggered not at the promise of a child in his old age, but was fully convinced or persuaded. Only then did he receive the promise of Isaac. You can read that in Romans chapter 4, verse 21. It should also be stated that when we pray, we should come without doubt. First uh, Timothy 2.8 mentions this. It says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Jesus also told his disciples not to have a doubtful mind concerning the goodness of God to provide food and raiment for his children. In Luke 12:29 he said, "And seek not ye what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind." Once again, knowledge is key to alleviating doubt of God's provision. Now, in my opinion, for the seasoned believer who has known the Lord a few years and read his word, most likely it is unbelief that's causing you the most problems when it comes to receiving from God, not doubt. Once again, doubt is simply not knowing, but unbelief is knowing the promises of God and choosing not to believe them. And why do we subconsciously choose not to believe them? Well, because the circumstances of life are screaming the opposite of God's promises at the top of their lungs. That's why. We can't grasp exactly how God is going to come through for us this time. This is what generates unbelief. We're looking at the circumstances. We just don't see it. We just don't understand it. Another reason for unbelief is familiarity, and the best example of this is Matthew chapter 13, verses 50 through 58, when Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth. I'm reading, and when he is come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished, and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, and his brother and James and Joseph, and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. 
Friends, this is an astounding statement in the Bible. It didn't say that Jesus wouldn't do mighty works in Nazareth, his hometown. Friend, he didn't do many mighty works because their unbelief was restricting him. Not that he didn't want to do it for them. And there is a big difference. He was certainly willing, but the people in his hometown, because they were familiar with him, chose not to believe. This is a very powerful concept to grasp. In other words, your belief system can hinder what God can do in your life. We read in Mark 9.23, Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Think about that for a moment. The master of the universe, God incarnate on this earth, was not only hindered by their unbelief down there in Nazareth, but your beliefs about what God can and cannot do for you in your life can actually hinder his manifestation in your life. Remember what I said, going back to the previous verse of Ephesians 3.20. It is according to the power that works within us, friend. That is how God is able to move in our lives. I want you to get this today. When we review the miracles of the Gospels, particularly in about 75% of the cases, the person's own faith was involved, and for the rest, they were deemed as miraculous. And there's no mention of the person's faith. Based on that survey alone, we can clearly see how impactful our faith is. In the vast majority of cases, faith is involved, even if it's not explicitly mentioned. And some scholars believe that faith is always involved. In the coming weeks, we will certainly address some of these examples of healing and deliverance that the Lord revealed in the Gospels, and we will study them in depth. However, let's just park the bus right now. Your belief system is very, very important to God, and those beliefs need to be founded on the Word of God. As a pastor, I'm in the Bible belief business. It's my job to both forge godly beliefs and maintain those godly beliefs in God's people. If you have an inkling of doubt in any area concerning God's word, then that's an area where Satan can work against you and hinder you receiving from God. Friend, you cannot believe further than you have knowledge. And that's why knowledge is crucial. Remember, God said himself that even his people will perish for a lack of knowledge in Hosea 4.6. So how do we know we're believing God? How do we actually know it? Hebrews 4.11 makes it clear. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Friend, know this. To be in rest is living proof that you are believing God. When we get out of rest, we're getting into unbelief. And this scripture warns us that our labor should be to maintain our rest and peace in God. And friend, also know this, God's word is true. Let every man be a liar. It doesn't matter what's happened to you in your past. Your circumstances and your life's actions don't define the truth. The word of God does. Your unbelief does not nullify or cancel out the word of God. Romans 3.3 says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? No, friend. God's word is true. In closing, doubt and unbelief are two of the biggest weapons Satan has in his arsenal. But to a Christian who knows the word of God and applies it, these weapons are blunt and provide no threat whatsoever. 
Friend, along the lines of faith, doubt, and unbelief, I just want to say a few things that serve as a warning. You know, many people are trying to operate on a higher level of faith than they have developed. They try to believe God to cure cancer when they haven't developed enough faith to get rid of a headache. The time when you're sick is not the time to start developing your faith. You should be developing your faith when you're well. That is the time you should be sowing God's word into your spirit. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about Israel. You know, they didn't mix faith with what they heard the word of God say. The tongue is the mixer. You've got to mix faith with what God said. Start declaring the word of God over your life. Don't try to go beyond uh, what you've developed in faith. You need to be confident, confident in what you believe and what you know. To recap, the measure of faith is mentioned in Romans 12.3. It is granted to you when you're born. It is the measure by which you enter God's kingdom. You don't have to go looking for faith, friend. You already have it. It abides within you. Doubt is not knowing, or more precisely, not knowing God's word. Just dive into the Bible to find out promises you can stand on. And finally, unbelief is choosing not to act on God's revealed promises. In other words, you have some knowledge of them, but through apathy, fear, or for whatever reason, you choose willingly not to put those promises into action and let the circumstances of life override what God said. That is unbelief. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button 